the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It's Rob Black and your money, the flagship of my radio career. One of the things I'm dedicated to is if you listen, I'll try to give you something that you can work with to make you a better investor. One of the things that's going on in the current market scenario is a short squeeze or a bubble. When we look at 2021, we were happy to put 2020 behind us. And then the first couple months of 2021, we saw a political riot in Capitol Hill. We're like, this isn't starting so great. Now, what I want to do is give you some of the big perspective of Rob Black's world. Uh, we've had 10 up years in the stock market. I've made a lot of money in the last 10 years. As an investor, I've made a lot of money in the last 25 years. I honestly don't remember the negative years. I don't remember feeling the pain of 2000, 2001, 2002. I don't remember the bear market that hit the market in 2020 or any other bear markets. As far as the pain goes, historically, I know that they happened, but I don't remember the pain. I look at the big picture of the last 10 years and go, this has been pretty sweet. Exactly. I have rung the cash register. I've gained wealth in my 401k that I started in my 20s. And it goes into my 30s. And it goes into my 40s. And when I hit 50, I'm like, woo-hoo, 10 up years. My whole 40s, I did nothing but make money. How can I remember the negatives? It's like my childhood wasn't great, but my life's been pretty good. And I, like the, it seems like an odd memory, right? So one of the things I promise to do for you is to try to focus you on the big picture versus the small picture, because the small picture will make you want to vomit. When you see what's going on with GameStop, with AMC, Bed Bath and Beyond, it's happened before and it'll happen again. I don't like what's going on with GameStop in any way, shape or form. I don't like short squeezes. This is a weird short squeeze that we knew could happen, and it did. It was a company that was doing enough business that had enough cash that it could last, but people were waiting for it to die. And that's when Wall Street moved in and said, look, these guys are eventually going to die. So let's take their stock and get rid of it. It's at $5. Let's take it down to zero. We're going to go ahead and sell it now and buy it later. So they're selling high and they want to buy low. And then some wise people of the world got together and said, you know, I think they're a little bit too soon on this one. Let's not be in a rush to put them down. Let's go long while they're going short. Short thinks the company's stock is different than the company, that the stock deserves to go to zero. Longs think that it's incorrectly valued and the company is worth more than the stock is reflecting, in theory. And sometimes you need to give it time to, to prove it. So there became a short squeeze, which I really don't like. And there's something called pro funds. The pro funds are ETFs that came out 
probably 15 years ago. And you can get one times the market move on the SP 500 by buying the SP 500. You get exactly what the SP 500 does. That's fine. But the pro fund said, let's start introducing options and give you two times whatever the market returns. And you're like, that sounds great. If the market goes up 10% every year, like Rob says, 7 to 10%, then I'll get 20%. It's not how it works because you're buying options that expire. And when you buy options, they're expensive to buy and expensive to sell, and there's tax consequences. But you can also do three times. And that leverage is where I do not like the stock market. I don't like leveraging. I don't like borrowing money that's not mine. You could borrow money from a brokerage account and call it margin. So if you own $100 of Apple, they'll say, you want $50 of credit? We'll give you $50 of credit. It's kind of like going to Vegas when the, uh, the pit boss comes up to you. He's like, yeah, give him credit is room. They know you're going to blow through a lot of money between now and you go into your room. I'm not big on credit when it comes to investing. I'm not big on credit when it comes to gambling. So you got to be a little bit conscious of that. I want to use my words very, very wisely here, but I'm not big into leverage. Um, I don't short stocks because I think people buy stupid things in the world. I think GameStop's business does suck. I've been into the stores before and you look at the wall and there's just a wall of inventory. And when a new video game comes out and I want it, I tend to pre-order it online and download it the moment it's there, or I wait for sales and I download it when there's a sale. I don't like going to stores. Best day of my life was when gas stations were allowed. It started to pay at the pump. I don't like going in. I don't like the person that works at the gas station. Nothing personal. I don't like the people at a gas station. I don't like buying snacks in a gas station. So I'd rather stay outside so it doesn't force me to buy a pack of Rolos. I love Rolos. Probably my favorite uh, candy, right? But I think it's, it's important that you know, like, there's some things that you stay away from. Leverage is one of them. It'll get you into a lot of trouble. Now let's talk about these shorts. Let's talk about what's going on with GameStop and AMC. One of the things that I don't like about the scenario is it's easily explained this way. If I own one share of GameStop and my friend Marco says, I don't like that. I want to short it. I'm like, I'll loan you the short because I've already bought. I'm going to sell it later. If you want to sell it now, and buy it when it goes down, I'll lend it to you. You're going to pay a little bit of, uh, how shall we say, tax to me for that lending period. But then Marco does something that I didn't realize he was going to do. He goes out and lends it to a guy who's going to buy it. And suddenly that one stock has been passed around twice. And that's kind of what happened with GameStop and AMC, is that companies like Robinhood, as brokers, the people that they run trades through, clearinghouses, they didn't have enough inventory, and suddenly the shorts were more 130 times the float. That's impossible. We were shorting more shares than were available. And when I lend my stock to a short, because I bought it, I lend it to them. They pay me some tax in the way. They pay me some interest on the way until they cover their position. I can call for it back. I can say I want my shares back and force him to buy even though he wasn't ready to. And that starts creating a short squeeze. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the gist. So one of the things I don't like, and I find flaws with everything. I work in television where I'm interviewed by, I'm not going to say the liberal elite, because that's wrong. 
but some people that aren't financial experts. I'm not a financial expert. I would hate to use that term. I play one. There's things that I don't know. There's things that I will pass on and say, I don't know. I have a little bit of wisdom after I've got a couple years on my body. Um, but the financial media, they want to, not financial media, the general media wants to skewer, oh, Robinhood didn't let them buy and sell anymore. They took away their right to sell. No, Robinhood doesn't have anything to sell to them. They don't have the inventory. Otherwise, they would. That's the, what the business they're in. They don't care if you win or lose. They are in the business of transactions. So it's not Robinhood's fault. And I, I see as much fault with the group at Reddit. It's against the law to say, let's all go out and drive up a stock of a, a, pri a price of a stock. And then we're going to get 10 other people to drive up that price. But when they're buying, we're selling. That's called a boiler room. What's going on at Reddit right now is a boiler room. They're investing in it. Then they get a lot of people to hype it. They get a lot of people to buy it while they're selling. I don't like either side of this. Lending to institutions that, you no, know, they're over lending. I blame Robinhood on that one. But then again, I also blame the boiler room mentality. I don't like what I'm seeing there. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I was speaking during a financial interview two days ago. The media wanted to talk to financial experts like me, so publicists started finding me. And one of the questions that was asked on a Skype interview was, what do you think about the whole GameStop kind of thing going on where there's this big dramatic battle and Robin Hood is the evil villain. And I said, my response was, I think, right on. I said, it's too dramatic for me. It's like the Civil War, the North versus the South. Nobody wins. People end up with arms blown off, feet blown off, heads blown up. You could probably say the North won, slavery ended. But you can also say it probably damaged our country as a whole. That we were even in that process in the first place. In divorce, Radney Foster, who I strangely look a little bit like. I look like two people. Radney Foster, who's a good-looking man, and the lead singer from Bare Naked Ladies, who is not a good-looking man. And when people are like, ooh, you look like that guy, I'm like, he's kind of puffy. Are you calling me puffy? I am dead sexy. But Randy Foster sings a song called Nobody Wins, and it's about divorce. Nobody wins, we both lose. And I look at divorce, and I go, poor kids. I think kids are the big loser. I've got a friend. Remember last year I told you he worked at Uber, and a couple of years ago he bought like a McLaren $250,000 vehicle. And, yeah, he's going through a divorce. I saw that one coming. Anytime you have a car that you name, it's named it like Lucille or something, and it's a yellow, flashy banana color, $250,000 car, I'm like – He's insecure. And sure enough, he's going through divorce and his kids are my kids' best friends. And I'm like, that sucks. It's interesting. Um, nobody wins, right? In the world of GameStop versus Robinhood, I don't think anyone wins. And I try to size up problems quickly. I, I hope that's one of my skills in life. If I see someone broken down on the side of the road, I stop. 
unless I see three cars broken down on the side of the road. I'm like, uh oh, something's going on here. And I try to size up the situation. I'm about to get robbed. Do they have enough help? We have cell phones now. We don't, I don't need to change a damsel in distress's tire, but I need to make sure that she's safe. Uh, she can call a cell phone. She can call USA or not USA, AAA and get her car fixed. Like I try to size up problems. And I'll tell you, when I saw GameStop and Robinhood and GameStop going super high, super low, you can't buy it, you can't sell it, sort squeeze. Is it really worth more than yesterday? GameStop was worth more than every single, not every single stock. There's something called the Russell 2000, and it's 2,000 uh, small cap companies in the United States. And this was suddenly the number one small cap company in the world, in the United States. I'm like, that's not right. A couple weeks before that, they were about to die and they're on the vine and you're like, it's, it's overripe. It's over. Pick it before it goes bad. Uh, they're in a business that's in decline. Xbox and PlayStation could have done only digital downloads and put a death blow to them. But they said, if you want to spend another $150, you can put a DVD player in both the Sony PlayStation five and the Xbox series X. And it was a little bit of a bone to GameStop, which really helped the game industry through the eighties, nineties and early two thousands until Napster came along and ruined music. You know who I really think ruined music? It wasn't Napster. Steve Jobs. I know you're saying, don't speak ill of Steve Jobs. He's made you a lot of money, Rob. Steve Jobs ruined music. As soon as we could buy a song for a buck 19 and you didn't have to pay for the crap on this DVD or the CD or the album. Like, I like you too. But I only like three or four songs per album. And they come up with six other songs that are like they're... This is the stuff we really like to do in concert. Like, no, play the hits, play the hits, play the hits. I came for the hits. So Steve, yeah, Steve Jobs ruined music for me. When you can only buy the hit, you're, you're fine. And then obviously that evolved into Apple Music and Spotify, where you could actually get the whole album again, right? So anyway, I'm totally digressing. Um, I try to pick my fights wisely. I try to pick my fights wisely with my spouse. I try to pick my fights wisely in life. I'm not perfect. I make many, many mistakes. But GameStop and Robinhood, I will not play. A couple months earlier, people were asking me about Robinhood. I'm like, I, it's a great app. It's very functional. But I can't recommend it. It's, it's, it's almost a game, but it's real money. So let's say COVID didn't happen. I'm at lunch with today with my producer, and he goes, Rob, I'm thinking about getting my honey a Peloton for Christmas. I'm like, no. Buy your Peloton stock. Don't buy your Peloton. Take her to the local high school and, and run up and down the steps. That's free. And it, he's like, okay, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I hear you. I'm picking up. Let me pull out my phone. I got an app called Robinhood where I can buy and sell stocks for free. I'm like, ooh, what's this all about? Because when I got in the industry when I was his age, buying and selling stock was 400 bucks. And then through the internet, it became 250 and 200 and 150 and 50. And then it became unlimited trades for 50. And then it became unlimited trades for 10. And then it was all indexes and ETFs for free and stock trades are $2. And slowly but surely, it became free with Robinhood. Now, the thing I didn't like is when I saw him open his phone, it said, you've done 10 trades this month. Yay, fireworks, fireworks, fireworks. I'm like, dude, this isn't, this isn't a game. It shouldn't be fireworks. This should be like boring. This should be routine. This should be a utility to you. Yes, I'm putting more money in the stock market over the long time. 10% of my paycheck goes in the stock market. So it should be like a business and not like fireworks on your phone. I get fireworks on my phone when I finish a crossword puzzle. I get fireworks on my phone when I play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and get some online, online junkie. I know you're saying you're, that's a little harsh. It is. 
Um, and I get fireworks at the end of it. I don't want fireworks when I buy a stock. And I definitely don't want fireworks when I sell a stock unless I made money. But even then, I don't want it because like the next time I may not be as lucky. I may not be as benefit, beneficial or, or as useful, as practical, as wise. So the whole Robinhood thing, I got to meet the owners when the company was private. And they gave a speech and I was like, this is a problem. It's okay to democratize and make trading cheap. I think it's a great thing. But when you turn it into a 25-year-old can do it without passing a test, we make people pass driving tests. I think we should have two more tests. You should pass a test. Well, okay. So when I was dating, HIV was a big, scary thing. I remember I was probably in college when Magic Johnson got AIDS. And he comes out on radio and sports center. People are crying. Talk shows like Howard Stern, Don and Mike, they're crying. They're calling up like, I don't know what to do. People got really, really upset. Um, I, I think the point of this is I was required on anyone I dated to get an HIV test before we got serious. It, it was, and it, I think we should have driving tests before you go out on a highway. I think we should have HIV tests before you get into a serious relationship. I think we should have tests when you get pregnant and you're going to have a kid. Now, you can't fail that test, but I think we should put people through a little education. And I think we should have tests when people decide to invest. It shouldn't be a game. And Robinhood and GameStop has turned into a silly thing. And when I was being interviewed by this incredibly uh, uh, average intelligence when it comes to financial issues person, she wanted me to like pick on, you know, the institution. And I was like, no, I'm not even going to talk about this. I'm just going to walk right by it and pretend it didn't happen. I'm going to size up the situation and say, that's not for me. I don't need that kind of drama. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I was listening to, and you're going to laugh at this. I subscribe to Apple Music. Get six people on it for 14 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month. It's not that I don't like Spotify. It's that I own shares of Apple. And I, I got a friend in on that concept. And at one point in time, she was trying to explain to her friends, like her friends are like, Spotify is so much cooler. Spotify is so much better. Spotify is this and this and this. And she goes, yeah, but I own shares of Apple. And they looked at her like she was insane, right? So yesterday I was, I was listening to some Apple music interviews with a guy named Zane Malik. He's like a BBC producer, radio icon. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I'm not totally hip on Zayn Malik, but he's interviewing the lead singer of Weezer. And Weezer's second album basically almost destroyed the band. Their first album was a massive hit. Then the lead singer, Rivers Cuomo, decides to go off to Harvard, or maybe he was in Harvard before, but in between his semesters at Harvard, he comes out with the second album. And he's being interviewed by Zayn Malik about it. And Zayn's like, I just listened to it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And this is like 30 years ago or 25 years ago and hearing Rivers Cuomo talk about it um, and how like the drummer would take a phone call while they recorded the music. So the music wasn't on beat and everything's put through a processor now. So a drum is like tight. It's one tenth of a second between every hit on the snare. But in this case, the drummer would slow down and go faster. 
anyhow, I found it entertaining. I was doing some legwork for the Today's Radio Show while I was listening to a Zane Mack do an interview. And I was supporting a company that I own and invest in. Now, I'm not always going to do that, but I like the idea of supporting companies that I invest in. Um, I like the Call of Duty video game franchise. I grew up watching it. Now today, I don't even have to play it. I can go on YouTube and watch other people play it and go, wow, this has evolved a lot. Um, and I like looking at the technology, right? So I own shares of Activision. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever that I mentioned on the show. Um, but I like putting my money where my mouth is, for lack of a better phrase. Now, with Apple versus Spotify, I get I get it. I get that Spotify is the cooler of the two, but Apple is the company that they need the service revenue. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I don't always do that. Um, I don't own shares of Philip Morris right now. My dad died of lung cancer that was spread into his brain and into his lymph nodes, and it was bad. And when you see cancer take a, a man down, who as a child brought you into the world, who as an eight-year-old took you to the hospital, who after a big suffering soccer game took you out for ice cream. My dad used to do the coolest thing. Whenever I was sick, you know how many sick days I had from school? Zero. I wasn't allowed to skip school. You know how many people I made sick at school? Probably many. I was probably like the typhoid Mary of elementary school. But whenever I was sick, my dad would always bring home comic books. And I thought that was the coolest thing. He'd bring home like comic books and like a seven up. It's one of the greatest memories of my childhood. And like my brothers didn't get it. And my dad gave me attention. I was like, I was all about that. So at one point in time, I could own something like a Philip Morris. And I was able to disassociate myself with, yeah, cigarettes probably killed my dad. That, maybe Agent Orange in Vietnam. I don't know, whatever else. Maybe he was a meat eater. Maybe he had too much charcoal. I don't know. I'm not a scientist in any way, shape, or form. I'm a dismal scientist. You know what a dismal scientist is? Economists are called the dismal scientists. I'm not an economist. Um, I want to make sure that I'm not overhyping what I can and can't do in the world. But would I invest in Philip Morris? I once did because they have a great balance sheet, a great financial statement. And if, if you could look at a company and just call it XYZ and not think that they're killing the world, I'm okay with that. As I've gotten older, I'm not. Because there's many fish out there. I don't have to eat the fish that's going to go extinct. I can eat other ones that are going to thrive. I don't have to be that guy who invested in a cancer company. Just to show you how what a weird of a relationship. At one point in time, I was living in Ankara as a child. And it's a dirty country. A lot of people get strep throat a lot because it's a dirty country. Horse poop in the road. Horse poop on the side. Like, it's a dirty country. And again, maybe I'm not suddenly being mean. Uh, not everything in Turkey is filthy and dirty, but this city was. Um, but I remember people would drop cigarettes on the ground when they were done. And as a kid, you're like, what is that? And you'd pick it up and your mom would instantly go, put it down, put it down. But I would actually go and try to plant them because I saw people with um, ashtrays. You know how ashtrays like airports have sand in them and they kind of plant the stub in it. I'd plant the cigarette in the ground and see if it grew into a cigarette tree. Because I saw a commercial once where in Italy they plant pasta and they have they pick pasta off a tree. So I figured same concept had to be true. Keep in mind I was six. I wasn't the genius that I am today. I know you're saying Elon Musk was a genius at three. 
took me a little bit longer to figure out what not to do. Um, anyway, you're saying, where do you go with us? Find things that you could invest with that you feel comfortable. Early on in life, I was a little bit more comfortable investing in cancer. Now I'd rather come out and try to invest in biotech that cures cancer, except for I don't know the difference. Therefore, I invest in an IBB. IBB is a biotech fund. After COVID-19, an article that flashed was the next pandemic will be caused by bioterrorism. And that just makes me think that that industry is not going to go away. And Merck and Pfizer can cure many ailments, but the biotech companies can cure future ailments in my mind. Whether it be cancer, we still don't have a good cure. We still have barely, our treatments have gotten better, but we're not there. We don't have a cure for HIV. Our treatments have gotten better, but we're not there. So if you were to say to me, Rob, I kind of want to own these wacky scientists from around the world who fix things and cure things and come up with new treatments for things, I'd be like, be careful because there's a lot of scientists trying to do the same thing. There's probably 10 scientists right now around the world who are trying to come up with a cure for cancer. There's probably 10 scientists around the world who are trying to come up with a cure for baldness. There's probably 10 scientists around the world who are trying to make uh, an erectile dysfunction drug that goes away after four hours, that if it's still there after four hours, you don't have to go to a doctor. There's probably a company right now, like, do you see what I'm saying? And I can't tell the difference from any of those 10 companies. When I talk to scientists, and trust me, I live in the Bay Area and I hate it. When I go to a party and we don't go to parties anymore because it's COVID, right? When I go to a party, I'm the dumbest person in the room. You put me on the East Coast, I'm the smartest person in the room. In San Carlos, in Silicon Valley, or Silicon Valley, no, no, that's LA. In Silicon Valley, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Also, I'm not the tallest. It's like somehow, some way, some shape, some form, we're like, Denmark, give us a guy who can come up with a mapping technology that he's going to sell it to Google. And also make him six foot five. I'm six two. Sadly, I went to get a physical recently and now I'm like six and a half. I've lost an inch and a half as I've gotten older. I'm upset by that. Because um, my height opened doors for me at one point in time. 15 year old boy who's six foot two, 15 year old boy who's five foot seven. <laughs> Girls like the taller boys. <clears throat> Anyhow. Um, I think it's important that you can own things like biotech versus cancer companies. I think it's important that you can own green, but don't get too caught up in trying to be self-righteous, trying to blend your investments with your social conscience. I'm not saying don't do it because it's a big theme. 20 years ago, people were like, I want to buy a green energy company because this planet's getting bad. You were too early. Now is a perfect time. When Biden got into office and when it looked like he was going to win, or I'd say things in the months running up to it, if you think Biden's going to win, you got to own a ticker symbol TAN, T-A-N. It's all about clean energy. You know what he's done since getting into office? He's been pushing clean energy. You know what's done well as investments since he's been in office? Clean energy. You know what's going to do well in the next couple of years? Clean energy. You know what's overpriced right now? Clean energy. So you can either buy in now with an expectation of holding it for the future, or you can scale in now, or you can wait for a dip. It's up to you. I can't play you. I could play many things in the world, but I can't play you. I would be a pretender. Yeah, it's not good. So I'm not saying I like, don't invest with your conscious or do invest with your conscious. 
that's up to you. But know that sometimes you can be too early, even though you're right. I knew a millennial at one point in time, we crossed paths. And she was all about fresh food. So when Sprouts Fresh Market came out, she wanted to invest it in it because she was too young when Whole Foods came out. And her idea of going to a fresh market sounds a lot better than going to a Safeway. Um, there was a quote that I always think about with her, and it was tied towards Lloyd Dobler in the movie Say Anything. That I thought it was fantastic, his speech. And I was probably in my teens when it came out. And I probably said, that's what I want to be when I, when I grow up. That's the business model that I want to have. I know you're saying, Lloyd Dobler, who, what are you talking about? The movie Say Anything, it's the one where he puts the big boom box over his head. He says in the movie, and I think it's a great quote, and maybe my producer could pull this quote for future episodes. I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything, bought or process, or buy anything, sold or process, or process anything, sold, bought, process, or repair anything, sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. That was my mantra when I was like 18. A little bit on the stupid side now that I'm older. I'm glad I didn't make that a requirement for work, but it's not a bad idea. And it's good to honor those. Good pull. My producer's trying to warm up to me. He's trying to butter me up. Nobody thinks this is going to work, do they? No. You just described every great success story. Another Lloyd Dobler quote. I'm Rob Black. Other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. A couple more Lloyd Dobler quotes for you. About a young man who falls in love with a young woman. Her dad wants nothing to do with him getting passionate with his daughter when she's about to go off to a great college so she decides to break up with him and she gives him a pen they have a great summer of romance he gets the girl of his dreams from high school and she gives him a pen when they break up and he goes she's gone she gave me a pen i gave her my heart she gave me a pen i don't know what the point of me telling that story is other than i like the movie it's aged okay watched it once or twice um but the one that I really liked was I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything, bought or process, or buy anything, sold or process, or process anything, sold, bought or processed, or repair anything, sold, bought or processed. You know, as a career, I just don't want to do that. I memorized that as a kid. I memorized odd little things. There was a. Let's see if you can memorize. If you can pull this one. This is your Jeopardy question. It's little girls that seems to say. Never stop upon your way. Never trust a stranger friend, for you do not know how it will end. As you're pretty, so be wise. Wolves may lurk in every guise. Now and then, the simple truth, sweetest tongue has sharpest tooth. What's that from? It's little girls that say, never stop upon your way. Never trust a stranger friend, how it will end. As you're pretty, so be wise. Wolves may lurk in every guise. It's Little Red Riding Hood. Wolves may lurk in every guise, right? But I read grim fairy tales as a child. And no one stopped to tell me that these are horribly, fascinatingly creepy, demented, awful stories about putting children in ovens and killing them. They were stories meant to warn children. 
Don't trust the creep in the house next door. Um, I kind of wish someone would have told me that because it, it jarred me. I still remember that from reading it at like six or seven, seven or eight years old, probably. Oftentimes I say, you don't want to babysit what's in my brain. I think that's fair to say. Um, I try to look at things from a financial perspective almost across the board. It doesn't make me very interesting. I'm not very passionate when there's a Super Bowl. I don't care. I don't play for the team. Therefore, I don't care. I grew up liking the Green Bay Packers because I grew up overseas. I didn't have a city to affiliate with. I like the New York Yankees because my brother David taught me to read a box score because I didn't have an English speaking teacher to teach me how to read like an American child would. So we would read newspaper box scores. So I can tell you the whole roster of 1976 New York Yankees and Cincinnati Reds. I don't know why I can do that, but that's how I learned to read. Bucky Dent, it's shortstop. Chris Chambliss at first. Like, it's bad that it, uh, Mickey Rivers, uh, second base. Greg Nettles at third. I could do this all day long. Lou Padella out in left field. Thurman Munson. I cried when Thurman Munson died at catcher. I'm stopping right there. Reggie Jackson in right field. Um, Ron Gittery went 25 that year. Unbelievable. Louisiana Lightning. Like, it's weird with the stuff we latch onto. I think you've latched on to something. I think you should try to use that to your best when it comes to investing. Um, I don't know if that's going to work out for you or not, but I think a lot of times people get in over their heads when it comes to investing. Uh, I'll give you an example. On my one of my very last shows on CNET Radio, it was in 2000, and the dot-com era was ending. So it was, it was kind of good that it was ending with it. CNET, the owner, said, I said, I was on the East Coast doing a national radio show for CNET. And he says, if you move to California, you know, we'd love it. We'd love to have you in the building. I'm like, well, okay, just don't sell the company the moment I move because I'm going to sell a house. I'm going to break up with a girlfriend. I'm going to move to the West Coast. And he's like, yeah, no problem. No problem. Come on out. So I get out and three months later, they sell the company and they go bankrupt and the whole dot-com implosion happened. Um, I don't know where that story goes. I'm a little exhausted. I'm tired. I'm like Larry King. You know, Larry King, at one point in time, was on the radio. It felt like 21 hours of the day. And now he's dead. Cruel, isn't it? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Michael Burry, who is he? He's the guy from The Big Short, a movie I didn't really see because I don't really like watching movies about what I do for a living. I'd rather have a little bit of fantasy escape. I like zombies. It's okay that I say that out loud. It's okay that I say that I can do the whole New York Yankees lineup from 1976-1977 out loud. There's going to be things that make you unique, and as an investor, you should appeal to those. You shouldn't try to get in over your head by, in this case, on my last show on CNET, a lady called up, and there was a stock that had gone from 2 to 60. And now it had gone from 60 to 6. You could call that GameStop today. You can call that AMC. You could say it had a, a squeeze. It had a dot-com squeeze where everyone wanted to own dot-com stuff. Farmers in Iowa got sold crappy stocks that were never, ever going to survive. But it was Yahoo with three zeros instead of two. Or it was a company that could kind of do what Microsoft does, but not really. Or it was a company that could kind of be 
in we got in way over our head. So she called up and she said, now that it's at six, she goes, I bought it at 60. I'm like, you bought it at all time high? I'm like, what do you think the company does? And I don't know why that question came out of my mind and she didn't have an answer. I'm like, do you know how much money they earned last year or did they lose money? And she didn't have an answer. Um, do you know who their competitors are? Do you know that there's a lawsuit against them? Nope, nope, nope. She didn't know any of those. Um, she bought something she shouldn't have done. It's okay to appeal to what you're good at and go index funds with everything else. I know some people that are great retail investors because they know how to shop really well and they know what stores the fads are in. Fads aren't always the great investments because they're fads, right? I'm good at growth stocks. I'm good at tech stocks. I'm not great anymore. I spend way too much time doing radio and television. I just spend way too much time with my family. When I used to do it 21 hours a day, like Larry King did radio, I was at the top of my game. I'm pretty good, and I've used experience to avoid mistakes. But it's okay to do what you're good at and go indexes with everything else. And down the road, hire a professional and be a good parent and follow your passions. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more.